0: this morning. I think you're supposed to stand if I'm not mistaken. Really lay it on thick. I mean just really get it going. Don't stop on my account. Feel free to I notice my wife is the only one not standing. Appreciate it a great deal. It is great to be with you today. We've been praying about this day. We have been searching God and hoping for great things. I want to say thank you to Pastor Jeff and Abby Lister for the things that they've done with this campus, and we owe them so much appreciation. And for the entire team and staff at Life Church that give us so much help, Pastor Ryan, I would be lost without him and people like him giving us so much assistance and so it's great to have them with us today also well as you saw on our video clip there we are talking about a story called hidden figures if you have not seen the movie i would highly recommend you seeing it it's a great great movie a, it, it takes place really centered around three ladies who are working at NASA in the 1960s, but one in particular, her name is Katherine Gable Johnson, and she worked there, and, and she just had this tremendous gift of numbers. We'll get into that a little bit more in just a a moment but she was part of what became one of the greatest events in American NASA history and and that was to send John Glenn into orbit into space there was a lot happening a competition with the Russians trying to see who could get into space first who could get the first man to the moon all of these types of things and she worked at get this I have to read it to get it right Langley Memorial Aeronautical Laboratory in Hampton, Virginia in the 1960s in aeronautics, space research, and computer technology. But if you would look at the 1960s and when she served, she served in a period of time when there was segregation. If you watch the movie, has anyone seen the movie? Okay, quite a number of you have seen the movie. So you know that in the 1960s, I mean, black people could not use the same restroom, could not drink from the same coffee pot as white people now we understand that to be ridiculous whatever happened to all people are created equal right but this is when she served and and there was a large group of african-american ladies that worked there at nasa but Catherine was really the one that the movie centers around also there was sexism Uh, it wasn't just that she was a black woman but it was also uh, that she was a female and so, you know, she had a lot of things going against her. Also, the I said the racism segregation coming with that. Can you imagine just the humiliation of your restroom being a half a mile away from your workspace? And the white people have a restroom right next door, but you have to walk a half a mile in the elements to use a restroom. And that's the environment that she grew up in. That's the environment that brought her uh, to this place in her life. And there was a guy named Al Harrison. He was a lead at Nassau when she was there in the 60s, and he had a great appreciation for Catherine's abilities. He saw something in her that other people couldn't get past. They saw her race, they saw that she was a woman, and at that time, women were not very active in the workforce, and so other people saw all of these negatives. But the boss at NASA saw all of her qualities. He saw all of her abilities, and you're gonna see that in the following clip that we're gonna show you this morning.
1: We'll we'll run it again, see what it comes up with. I'm gonna be honest with you, Al. When I fly, I fly the machine. And right now, it seems like this machine's flying me. We're on the same page, John, our guys are on it. Let's get the girl to check the numbers. The girl. Yes, sir. You mean Catherine? Yes, sir. The smart one. I mean, she says they're good. I'm ready to go. All right, we'll get into it. Roger. Sam, go find Catherine Goble. She needs to verify Glenn's go, no go, or staying on the ground. Yes, sir. Catherine Goble. It's Catherine Johnson now. They need you to verify these coordinates.
0: Alright, give us some space, so to work.
1: As we await Colonel John Glenn's launch, a truly historic day for America. The country has waited for several months through many failed unmanned Atlas rocket tests and 10. 10- scheduled manned attempts, which were canceled for various mechanical or system complications. Even when... All the final tests the and checks are being conducted. John Glenn is ready to board the French ship 7. But today, we remain truly optimistic, and it's a go day in all regards. The capsule is ready. The rocket itself is A-OK, and the weather here at Cape Canaveral is... Anything hey, from we are being told that Mission Control at NASA is conducting a final check of the launch and recovery coordinates, including the go-no-go no, no calculations, so crucial to a safe and successful launch and recovery. After years of waiting and months of delays, Colonel Glenn is finally ready for that space flight that we've been waiting for with so much anticipation. The could indicate a hesitancy on NASA's behalf, but let us say without reservation that the safety of Colonel John Glenn is paramount to the mission and to the nation itself. No, sir, we're still a government.
0: Yes, sir. That's it.
1: <sighs> what the devil are you doing? Are you taking a break?
0: you the time yes yeah. we can the
1: system yes we can a and chorus Pat 14.
0: Catherine.
1: Sir, we've got Pat 14 on the box. All right, let me in
0: What a powerful clip as she stands in front of that door. And the thing you have to remember or realize is that because of Catherine's faithfulness, doors both figuratively and literally started to open. In that moment, when John asked for the woman... The smart one. That's how it is in my home. And can I tell you something? It really irritates me. But anyway, the woman, the smart one. And he says, yeah, that's the one I want because she'll be able to get it done. She went from unnoticed to unforgettable. And there's a story in the Bible about a woman who went from unnoticed to unforgettable. And it's the story of Ruth. And we're going to look at that and break down Ruth chapter 2 in just a minute. But she's another lady who went from unnoticed to unforgettable. But the reality is that all of us have felt like a hidden figure at one time or another in our lives. We go through times in our lives, if we're honest, where we wonder if anyone recognizes us. Does anybody see us? In reality, I think sometimes we wonder, even if God sees us, does God even know who we are? Very quick story, a little over three years ago, I got a call from my dad. And he said, son, I'm at the hospital with your mom and, and she's unresponsive. And I'm like, what are you talking about? It took me a minute to get that through my brain, and I rushed over. It was about an hour drive for me. I rushed over and and I get in there and I say, Dad, what have they told you? And and he says, nothing. And and I said, You're kidding. Mom is totally unresponsive. They're they're giving you no information. He's like, No, they're they're really not. And I looked at my mom and and she's laying there, obviously not able to control her, her body, thoughts, you know, physically, all that stuff. And, and I looked out, and it just appeared to me like people were going about their daily business. Nobody was looking in on my mom. And I got irritated. I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, I'm like, no, as, as a friend of mine would say, no, 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 no. <laughs> it's not going to be that way. And so I got the head doctor, the head nurse, these people together, and I'm like, my mom is laying here, and nobody's paying her any attention. And that's the reality of how we feel sometimes in our lives, and Catherine, as well as Ruth, felt that way at at times in her life. And I pray that as we follow Ruth's journey today, that we can get a picture of who God is and How he responds to us in our time of difficulty and how he feels toward us when we feel that nobody's watching, that we're a hidden figure. So as we look at Ruth chapter 2 and you turn there in your Bibles, there are three things I want you to remember. Number one, God knows who you are. And number two, God sees your sacrifice. And number three, God wants to intervene in your troubles. And I think you'll see that as we look at Ruth chapter 2. So starting with verse 1. Now Naomi, which would be Ruth's mother-in-law, had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clock. Clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, Go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. So in the law, God told the Israelites that when you go through a field and you harvest, don't pick everything up that may fall behind, leave it for some poor people, the widows, the orphans, to come behind and glean so they would have enough as well. So this is the situation that Ruth finds herself in. And it says, so she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. And as it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. So Boaz is Naomi's brother-in-law and his name actually means in him is strength because the book of Ruth is not just a love story about how he falls in love with her and he redeems her and he takes care of her, but it's also a love story about those very same things of God toward his people. He's a man of good standing and a man of tremendous wealth having both, in fact, both of these ladies, Ruth and Naomi, and actually another sister-in-law, had all lost their husbands at an early age. And in that time when you did not have a husband to take care of you and to, to provide for you, you were going to be destitute. And so it's in that situation that Ruth finds herself, she's, she's, Working, and it's important to remember this despite all of Ruth's heartache, she was still willing to work. She was not a victim of circumstance. How many times in our lives are we going through some kind of difficulty and we tell ourselves all of the negatives? We tell, I mean, we make them larger than life in our minds and we think, I can't overcome that. But you find Ruth, like the woman with the issue of blood, she said, if only I could touch the hem of Jesus' garment. She'd been going through that for 12 years, and it hadn't changed. And so Ruth was willing to continue to work. She was not going to be a a person of her circumstance, a victim of her circumstance. Through all of Ruth's advice, and pain she still had the hand of God in her life you see it's not a coincidence that she found herself in the field of a relative it's no coincidence at all it's actually God's providence God knew what she needed and I wonder how many times is God doing something in our lives and we can't see it and our attitude's bad, but God knows he's got something he's providing for us even when we don't know it. He's going ahead of us to, to set the situation, to make all things work together for our good, as Paul says. Even the bad situations of our lives. God knows where you are, and because God knows where you are in every situation, there's always hope. So continue to be faithful. Continue to work and and put your hand at work and do whatever you can do. Catherine was content just having an opportunity to work at NASA But she had no idea what God was going to do. She had no idea what it would turn into. That she would play a key role in a defining moment in the history of America. Sometimes in that moment of stress or distress, when we don't think God knows who we are, he knows better than we do. And he's preparing the way. Secondly, God sees your sacrifice. Ruth chapter 2, verses 4 to 7. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem, and he greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, Who does that young woman belong to? And the overseer replied, She's the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning until now, except for a short time of rest in the shelter. Ruth was simply grateful for an opportunity to work. And because of that, God gave her more than she ever dreamed or asked for. That's the God that we serve. In times of hardship, simply find joy in the opportunity. Did you hear that? In times of hardship, simply find joy in the opportunity. Now, you may not love your career, but find joy in the fact that you have the opportunity to make a living and provide for your family. You may not have the perfect family that you would like to have, but be joyful in the relationships that you do have and make the most out of those relationships. You may not have everything or you may not like everything about yourself. Lord knows I don't. I wouldn't have chosen to be 4'9 and... Well, let's leave the rest of it out of here, okay? But, but you, you don't enjoy everything about yourself. It's no fun having to ask my son-in-law if he can grab that off the top shelf. I'm serious. It stinks. But anyway, at least he's there. Find joy in the fact that he's there. <laughs> but be grateful for the breath you have in your lungs. I have a great life. I can limbo better than anyone else, okay? So look for the good things and have joy in your heart over the good things. You see, this is so important. When we stop whining and begin to move into worship, the doors of heaven or the windows of heaven open the widest, Can you follow me on that? When we stop whining and we begin to worship, the windows of heaven begin to open the widest. And Kevin Costner's character for Al Harrison the head of NASA, the space program, he wasn't concerned with the prejudices at the time. He didn't care that Catherine was a foreigner. He saw what she could do, that she could get the job done, all while dealing with all of these other difficulties that no one else had to deal with, and he took notice. And I believe that God sees our sacrifice and our struggle in life. And he's pleased when in the midst of that struggle, when in the midst of that difficulty, you're able to press through with a good attitude. You're able to press through with joy. Isn't joy, doesn't that come from where our salvation, the joy of the Lord is my strength and my salvation. It's not my circumstance. It's not this obstacle that I'm facing that, that anyone in their right mind would know that's a difficult task. Well, how great to bring honor to God as people watch us walk through our difficulty. That's when we get to have a witness. If we're going to grumble and complain about everything and then, you know, somebody says, oh, could you tell me about Jesus? Uh, you know, That's not going to happen if you're grumbling and complaining all the time. But if you are the person that has difficult circumstances and your attitude is good and and your spirit is good and joyful, people will say, how do you do it? And you can say, through the strength of God. Because God sees my sacrifice. And the third thing is this, God desires to intervene In your troubles. Verse eight. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field, and don't go away from here. Stay here, where the women who work with the women who work for me, watch the field where the men are harvesting, and follow along after the women. I've told the men not to lay a hand on you, and whenever you're thirsty. Go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. You see, Ruth was content with leftovers. But instead, God gave her access to everything. We serve the God who is enough. He has enough. And sometimes we act in our own spirit like beggars. We act like God has no power at all. We talk about his power. But we don't expect him to move in ways that give us access to all of his resources. Ruth calls herself a foreigner, but Boaz calls her a daughter. She's family, not an outsider. And when we go through difficulty in our lives, we're children of God. And we have access to all of the things that God has. And has given us through Christ all of the power of his Holy Spirit. Full access to all of those powerful things. And next he grants her permission to continue to glean in his field. And he actually asks her, hey, don't go anywhere else. That's how it is with God. There's no place else to receive what we ultimately need for our lives. And so if you follow that along, you will see that permission is followed by the promise of Boaz or the promise of God of personal protection. God will take care of you and the provision in the story was water and the provision for us is living water that God will pour into you streams of living water that no matter what circumstance, no matter what situation, you're going to have what you need because God God will intervene. God will show up in your circumstance. Ruth's desperate attempt at survival causes her to find favor and leads to the redemption of her loss and her pain. And that's the story of God. He redeems our loss and our pain. And the reality is that God knows where we are. He sees what we're going through and he has a desire to intervene. Now, it's not always going to be in a way that changes every circumstance in our lives. There are going to be times when when God says my strength is sufficient for you or excuse me, my grace is sufficient for you. I'm not going to remove this particular obstacle, but I'm going to walk you through this obstacle in my strength. And then there are other times where God just intervenes in a miraculous way and and changes all of the circumstances. God has so many ways that he walks us through. But a key thing to remember about the hidden figure, Ruth, is that when Boaz intervened, she allowed him to help. The question is, where you are in your life today, whatever need is represented in your life, are you willing to allow God to intervene? We can talk a good game. Oh, bless the Lord, we can come to church, we can get our praise on. By the way, that was awesome this morning to our team. It was fabulous. I loved it. We can get our praise on, say hi to a few people, go home, have the same burden, the same challenge. We haven't been changed a bit by the Spirit of God. We have to allow Him to move in and to meet our need. I'm going to ask if everyone in this room would just close your eyes just for a minute and I want to pray for you I want to pray for those who feel like hidden figures those who may be suffering in silence smiling on the outside but falling apart on the inside and that has nothing to do with our socioeconomic place in this world you feel like Nobody else cares, but God does, and he's here for you today. And I want to do something maybe a little different this morning. If you've ever felt that way in your life, like you were a hidden figure, like no one understood what you were going through, I want you to stand. Not just if you feel that way today. If you've ever felt that way, would you just stand to your feet? If you've ever felt that way, just stand to your feet. So there are two honest people and a bunch of liars in the room. If you've ever felt that way, overlooked, nobody cares, maybe God doesn't even care. The reality is we've all felt that way before. But I want to pray for those people who are feeling that way today. And so I just want you to close your eyes again. And if you feel that way today or you've been feeling that way, would you just raise your hand? I won't, I won't draw attention to you. I just want your face in my mind as I pray. Yes, yes. Others, just raise your hand. We want to pray for you. God, we pray for people today who feel like they are a hidden number. We pray, God, that you would minister to them. We pray that they would take refuge in you today, that they would allow you to help them. They're going to have to admit their vulnerability, God, before you. It's the last thing that we want to do is be vulnerable. But it's the exact thing we have to do to allow you to do your work in us. You see them, God. You know who they are. You know exactly who they are, exactly what they're sacrificing, exactly what the difficulty in their life is. And you're there for them. You want to intervene. So God, all of us in that situation, we just open our hearts to you. And we ask you, Lord, to change us We ask you for your spirit to rise up within us and give us the strength that we don't have ourselves. Because that's really what living in the power of the Holy Spirit is, going somewhere with you that we can't do ourselves. So do miracles here today, God. Heal people's hearts and lives. Would we be changed? That's what it's about. Life change, God. Let people be changed today. In Jesus' name, amen. We show our appreciation to Pastor Dan bringing the word today. Man, what a.